Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And good morning. Welcome again to another edition of More Outdoors, a show that keeps on uh, giving you outdoor information after our 5 to 7 network program ends. We're glad to have you with us. Our text message board remains wide open for you. 870-870, shoot us a text message. Uh, let us get your fishing reports if you had some good luck and you want to share that with other folks. If you got questions or comments or any questions for our special guests, we welcome you to text them in at 870-870. If you prefer to call, our phone line is open at 504-260-6368. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later on to uh, Brett Weibel. Uh, Brett is uh, the owner of uh, Bad River Bucks and Birds Lodge up in Draper, South Dakota, where for the last several years uh, we've been doing one of our Cajun invasion trips out of state for a pheasant hunt. It's coming up in November, and we have set aside two periods. There are like four nights and three days of hunting for pheasants. These are wild birds uh, in some of the most... uh, I guess you'd say remote, hilly country of South Dakota. And I have been there when it was minus 11, and I've been there when it was in the teens, and sometimes it gets up into the 30s. But it's a really refreshing break to get up there in some cold weather. And you really don't feel it because the pheasant hunts that we do, uh, of course, you can choose if you want to be a blocker and basically station yourself at a position and have the drivers and the dogs bring the birds, push the birds towards you. You can walk with them and become a driver, or you can be a flanker and kind of do halfway in between. You kind of stay on the outsides and uh, where you kind of corral these birds in, and, boy, they can move. They can run, and when they get up, it takes your breath away when you hear that cackle in those wings and you see the snow flying off of them. Oh, what a beautiful sight. If you want to get an idea of what it's like, go on our Bayou Wild TV website and look on the back episodes, and you'll find that one there. About Four Feathered Friends is the title of it, and it's all about the pheasant hunt that we did. You'll see some of the folks there and hear from some of the people who accompanied us on that trip. Uh, he still has a few openings. I, I think the first week may be booked up, but the second week, if you're available, you can go. Or ask him if you can go outside of those dates, you know, if you want to go a little earlier or a little bit later. Anyway, we'll be talking to Brett. Also, we're going to talk to Jim Cox about the greatest fishing show on earth. That's going to be held uh, coming up in Orange Beach, Alabama. And uh, what a great uh, event that is. It's a billfish championship, and they have some huge fish come in there and a great setting for it. But before all of that, we're going to talk to Eddie Colley. Eddie is the director of the Golden Meadow 
Fushan Tarpon Rodeo. We had a media day. It's become an annual event that I love to go down there and get to see some folks I don't see very often, get to chat with Eddie, and they cook up some ball shrimp because food is always a good part of any fishing rodeo. And he joins us this morning to tell us all about this year's event. And if you got any questions for him, we welcome your calls, 504-260-6368. Or you can simply shoot us a text message, and I'll pass it along to him. Uh, Eddie, good to have you this morning. Uh, are we keeping you from fishing this morning? Oh, with this wind, Don? No, you're not. I'm not fishing this morning. <laughs> no, I heard one of our reporters was telling us it's blowing pretty good again out of that southwest, and it's kind of been the pattern this week, and, you know, it's keeping people inside from going offshore and even along near shore. It's dirtying up the water and forcing people into the back bays. And, you know, you can catch some fish in there, but it's not the prime time to get in there. Well, I hope you have a lot better weather for the rodeo that's coming up. And uh, if you want to, tell us a little bit about the history of that, the Golden Meadow Fouchon Topper. I believe it is the second oldest in the state. Yes, sir, it sure is. This is going to be the 71st annual rodeo for us, and we're, we're looking forward forward to it. 71 years. Well, it ought to be down by now. You know, the the main thing I want to tell people about your rodeo, a lot of people tell me, oh, man, I like those rodeos, but it is just so hot that time of the year, and the sun's baking, and you're standing out there. You guys have that whip, don't you? We sure do, Don. We have, a, we have an air-conditioned tent at, at the rodeo, so people can come on out and, and, and actually get a break from the heat, come on out and hang out and Listen, listen to some bands, and, and, and as you mentioned, always great food at all of these events. All right, so it, it, it gets started on July 3rd. It's traditionally the 4th of July weekend. Kind of give us a rundown day by day what goes on. Sure. So fishing is going to start actually on July the 4th at Safe Light, which is Thursday. And then the tent will open up on July the 5th. Uh, and that'll feature our King of the Catch cook-off that'll happen that day. And and people can come in from 6 to 9 that evening and buy a $15 all-you-can-eat bracelet and enjoy dishes cooked by some of the greatest cooks on the bayou, uh, all seafood dishes, and gr- great time. We have a band that night, the Funky Monkeys, will be playing from 7 to 11. And then we followed up uh, Saturday. We have uh, Nalt Newt and the Wild Matus will be playing from 3 to 6. Uh, our way scales will close on Saturday for children at 4 p.m. And for all other divisions, we'll close at 5 p.m. We'll have a live auction at 6, and we'll immediately follow that up with our awards for the rodeo. Now, that auction, what type of items are, are, are up for auction? We have a lot of unique items, uh, some custom paintings. We'll have the original artwork for this year's rodeo will be on auction uh, that evening. Uh, so uh, a little bit of something for everyone. We'll, we'll have anything from fishing trips to lodge trips to uh, artwork to uh, sports memorabilia, autographed sports memorabilia. Those are all some of the things you'll find uh, at our auction. You know, Eddie, uh, that, that King of the Catch 
uh, program that y'all put in, that contest, that really took this rodeo to another level. I mean, some people go just for that. And for $15 to be able to sample, you know, the, the entries down there. Uh, who is the reigning champion, by the way, that might be back to repeat this year? Don, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. What we have, I can tell you this. I tell you what, I do know who's our reigning champion. So it's uh, one of our past admirals' granddaughter, uh, Mr. Howie Guidry's granddaughter, was actually the reigning champion. She's uh, 12, 13 years old, and she cooked fish tacos actually last year, and she actually won the won the cook off with that. Well, congratulations to her. At that young age, she's going to be uh, to be reckoned with for quite a while. Tell me about the, the poster. What is this year's poster? That's always a, a, a nice item down there, too, and you all have a, a, a professional artist that comes down and personalizes it for them. Absolutely. So our rodeo artist, Christy Boutique, will, will be there uh, Friday and Saturday to do personalizations of posters. This year we... Uh, our, our admiral, we, we always allow our admiral to, to have an influence on what our artwork will look like. And so our admiral this year is Dr. Lee Bograston out of Thibodeau. And uh, he chose to have a, a, a Fourth of July t- a theme to this year's poster. And, of course, a lot of people know uh, him as uh, Bo Grafton, a cast and Cajun TV program, does a great job with that. Um, yeah, well, he's going to be down there, I'm sure. And, uh, of course, you got the entertainment, uh, the food, you know, ev- everything that you need to make a rodeo a good, fun time. Um, how much are the tickets, and, and what are some of the categories? I know just about you guys have got one of the most extensive boards of any of the rodeos as far as the variety of fish that you can enter. Absolutely, absolutely. So we we have a uh, rodeo tickets are going to be thirty five dollars, whether it's for adult or children. Uh, one of the changes we made this year is is with a children's ticket. So in the past, the children's ticket just got you entering into the children's division only. Uh, this year, we're going to allow children to enter the children's division, but as well as the uh, shoreline or blue water divisions. We're seeing more and more. Uh, families participating, and you having more and more kids, twelve and under, that are that are going offshore with their families and whatnot, and, and wanting to be able to answer those fish that are catching out there. So we we made that change this year. Uh, in terms of divisions, we have a children's division, we have an inshore division, a shoreline division, a blue water division, a tag and release division for uh, for marlin, blue marlin, white marlin. Uh, we also have a kayak division and a spearfish division. Yeah, you've got one of the most extensive uh, varieties of species of any rodeo. And I'm sure some people, when they fish a rodeo, they want to come up with a game plan. They, they want to look for opportunities and, and, and maybe try to fill as many places on the board as they can. Uh, give us the website where there's going to be all the different categories that are eligible listed. Sure. That's going to be FushawTarpon.com. So Fushaw is F-O-U-R-C-H-O-N, Tarpon.com. Uh, Eddie, what is uh, the benefit? Who is the beneficiary for this rodeo? Where do the proceeds go? It's a great question, Don. We, we're doing all of this to uh, to help raise money to, 
to continue the education of some of our graduating seniors in the community. Uh, this year was a record for us from proceeds from the 2018 rodeo. We were able to dole out $52,000 in scholarships to graduating wow. seniors this year. That's phenomenal. Well, it doesn't get much better than that, Eddie. You got you have fun, you enjoy good food, music, you get to go fishing, and then the community uh, has a benefit of scholarship money for its students. I mean, it's, it's a win-win-win for everybody. Hopefully you guys will get some good weather, and maybe this window will lay down by the time we get to the rodeo and uh, you know, the, the board will really look good and have some rodeo records broken. And I got to tell you, Eddie, you're doing a great job. I don't know if you're going to get out of this job, but the, the way that the, <laughs> the rodeo's been going the last few years. Oh, uh, we enjoy it. It, it, it you know, it, it takes a team. We have a lot of great help that helps put it on. And uh, I'm just happy to be part of it. What about ticket locations? Uh, if somebody wants to go pick up some tickets, I'm sure just about every place in the Fushan and Grand Isle area has got them right now. Pretty much every marina in Fushan and Grand Isle, uh, Soldier Sporting Goods and Homa has them, B&B Hardware in La Rose, Renovations Hardware in uh, Galliano and Melico Sisters in Galliano. And then, like I said, pretty much marinas from Leeville, Fushan, Grand Isle all have them. As well as the online, we're seeing online purchases continuing to grow. Uh, people can pick uh, purchase tickets online and just pick them up at will call. Uh, they can simply pick them up at the tent prior to weighing their fish if they purchase them online. Eddie, I just got a text in. Someone wanted to know when would be the best time to watch the big fish being weighed in. Is it is it going to be best, right toward the closing of the weigh scale when those offshore boats that have been out for a while come in? Absolutely. I, I would say uh, a 3 to 5 on Saturday afternoon is the best time. So, And also you mentioned watching the fish. So we started a couple of years ago. We have fish tables where we're displaying fish throughout the weekend so people can come in. And like you said, Don, just come in and take a look at all the different species of large fish that came in. But to see the live weigh-in, uh, 3 to 5 on the Saturday afternoon, July the 6th, would be the best time. All right. Uh, any fireworks displays? I don't think we have any lined up this year, Don. But again, we have a great band lined up, lined up, uh, of lineup for us. Um, and then the king of the catch on, on a Friday is uh, always a big hit. No, you got more stuff going on. You don't need the fireworks, that's for sure. The fireworks will be the fishermen when they bring in the fish in. Eddie, uh, thanks for joining us and telling us about the rodeo and uh, putting it on. You do a great job with it, and I hope the people in the community recognize what you've done for this rodeo. I've seen it grow over the past few years, and, you know, a lot of rodeos that used to be around are no longer there. They're a thing of the past, but you've managed to keep this one not only going strong but continuing to grow, and that's really good. All right, we appreciate it, Don. Okay, Eddie. Have a go, my friend. Y'all enjoy the rodeo, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks again, Don. All right. There he goes, Eddie Kale. He's the director. And if you want information that we didn't get to, and I'll tell you what, that's a very extensive list of species there. Just go to uh, fushantarpon.com. 
and you can find out everything you need to do. Even get your rodeo ticket there. All right, we'll be back after this break and take some more of your text messages. Got some questions we'll answer. Tell you what's coming up in the next hour on the program and a lot of stuff we didn't get a chance to get to. Glad you're with us on More Outdoors on WWL 105.3 FM HD2. All right, we have a text message. Someone says, I can attest to catching tons of crawfish, mostly in the Mardi Gras Pass area. I don't know how easy it would be to catch crawfish there. Maybe so. Uh, But Ryan Lambert reported that they've had a big run on crawfish down in Plaquemines Parish, lower Plaquemines Parish, due to all that fresh water from the Mississippi River coming in. All right, uh, getting back to the bat. uh, Still got people want to know about bats and commenting on it. This one says, besides bats, you can put up a purple martin birdhouse. They absolutely destroy mosquitoes early in the mornings and late in the evenings so you can enjoy your yard. You know, I must be the only person that can't have any success with uh, with Purple Martins. I put up uh, a condominium. I mean, I got them a really nice house, put it on a big pole, put it right over the pond where I figure the, that's where the bats usually uh, go after the mosquitoes, and never had the first Purple Martin move in. I had some of those little sparrows get in there, but I don't know. I've seen other people put them everywhere, they buy water, away from water, and the Purple Martins find them, but... Just haven't had any luck. Must have been doing something wrong. I don't know. Or maybe I'm not in the Purple Martin flyway. All right. Um, ROLP. You know, I had another comment came in or a question that wanted to know. Here it is. Hey, Don, what do they do with the confiscated fish when the Wildlife and Fisheries gets it? Well, in most cases, they will donate it to the food banks, uh, the, the, the food kitchens for the poor like hunters for the hungry donates the food there they also will donate confiscated fish and game in some cases uh, i have seen them if it's a commercial uh, species like shrimp or crabs uh, i've seen them actually sell them they will uh, i guess they put out bids to the seafood dealers and and they will buy them and put them into commerce so that they do not go to waste other times uh, they just return it to the water but for the most part, if it's confiscated, like those the, the, the instance we had this morning, 220-something pounds of uh, fillet fish, I'm sure that went to a food bank somewhere. And speaking of food banks, um, last week we were talking to the new director for Hunters for the Hungry, uh, Julie Grunwald. And when we had her on, she was telling us about, you know, making donations and the program they're going to have on the September 15th will be a clean out your freezer day where if you're actually accepting fish and game uh, to feed the hungry. It's not just the hunters, but it's the fishermen now. Uh, the, she also mentioned that when you go to renew your, your license, and all licenses in Louisiana fishing and hunting expire on the same day, and that's at the end of this month, on June 30th. They do not run from the day that you buy it till that same day one year later it's only good to june 30th and they are are asking you when you purchase that license online if you would like to make a donation for hunters for the hungry and you can do that um, by just simply you know clicking that on there and saying yes you do want to make a a donation as a checkoff box when you buy your license Uh, so right now while everybody's getting it renewed and please don't forget to do that uh, you need to do it before or on June 30th, uh, if you did not have a 2018-19 license and you want to get a 2019-2020 license, you can use that license now. It would be effective. You wouldn't have to buy two licenses if you're going to be fishing uh, before the new license takes effect. 
anyway, information on hunting for the hungry, uh, you can find that uh, on the Wildlife and Fisheries. Uh, there's a really good program they do if you're a deer hunter and you kill a deer and you've got enough venison or you only want the prime parts, the filet, and also the tenderloin or backstrap. Uh, they have processes that they work with, and the money that's raised and donated uh, pays for the processing, and the, the processor will give you the choice parts to you to keep, no charge to you, and then they take uh, the rest of it, which is a lot, the neck, uh, the roast, uh, the shoulders, the ribs, and in most cases what I've seen them do is they'll, they'll grind the meat and make a chili, a huge venison chili, and they love to get it at the food banks, and uh, they say that their uh, their clients, as they call them, the people that they supply the food to, really enjoy the wild game. So uh, we'll be telling you more and more about that as we get closer into the hunting seasons, which, by the way, are not that far away. Uh, September 7th, that's going to be dove season. They'll kick it all off, and then right on the heels of that becomes teal, and then right after teal in October, you know, you got the small game and the bow season, and before you know it, uh, duck, goose, uh, deer, all that will be opened up too. Speaking of duck and goose season, Flyway Federation. This is an organization that is very new, and since they've come about, they have gained a lot of popularity, a lot of interest. Um, you may have recalled the program where we've we've had Josh Goins on a couple of times. He's the, the founder of the federation. They are actually forming uh, locations in different areas of the state. Uh, I guess you'd call them chapters or it's just an open membership, but they want to get participation on a statewide basis. And they have set up uh, town hall meetings where they will have speakers to come out and update the state's hunters on what's happening with the migration, uh, where they think that some problems in Y, Louisiana and other states uh, down south in the central and some of the other flyways, Mississippi Flyway, are not seeing the birds that we used to. And a lot of it has to do with uh, crop manipulation uh, to our north. And it's being done legally. And a lot of the people with this federation believe that there need to be some changes in order to the, for the birds to revert back to their normal migration patterns. And these series of town hall meetings has been set up, and we're going to put the information out on where they will be if you want to attend one of them and hear what they have to say. The first one coming up is going to be at 6.30 on July 11th. It's going to be at the Barak Shrine Temple in Monroe, Louisiana. That's going to be July 11th at 6.30. That's their, their northeast town hall meeting. The southwest will take place a week later on July 18th. That's going to be at 6.30. Preen Lake Park at the Harbor's Edge Pavilion, the Calcasieu Room. Again, this is all free to attend. Uh, the Acadiana town hall meeting is set for July 25th. At 6.30, that's going to be at the Vermilion Performance Center on Fisher Road in Lafayette. And they're still formulating some of these others. The North Shore Town Hall meeting is going to be August 1st, 6.30, at the Rufus Viner Memorial Center. That's in Slidell. And uh, they have some other ones that are in the works. I know they were trying to put together one in Homa. In fact, if you would want to get interested in working with this organization, uh, they're looking for someone in the Homa area to help them set up a town hall meeting. And if you will uh, contact me through the website, which is dontheoutdoorsguy.com, use the contact button, and I will put you in touch 
with Josh and Ronnie Doucette and the folks with the Flyway Federation USA. You might check out their Facebook page, too. Learn a lot about the organization, a lot of research they've done, and find out what you think is uh, if there are some problems with the policies on flooding unharvested crops, which a lot of people uh, say that is a major, major cause of the lack of birds migrating uh, down south as they normally and traditionally do for years and years. All right, when we come back after this break, I'm going to check on our opinion poll. Haven't checked on that lately. What is the most important reason you fish? I'll tell you what most of our visitors to our website are saying is their most single, most important reason why they fish. That's at DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to More Outdoors on WWL 105.3 FM HD2. And we also have a text board, which has gotten very popular, 870-870. If you prefer to shoot us a text, uh, questions, comments, reports, uh, we'd love to hear from you this morning. All right, um, getting to our opinion poll that's current for this month. Each month on my website, I'll put up a different opinion poll just to get an idea of what the, the, the trends are and the audience, the way they're thinking about different issues. And the one that we decided to put up this month was to ask you this question. The most important reason you fish, and we've got about seven choices, and, you know, everyone probably has at least two, maybe more, three or four reasons why they fish, but the single most important reason, that's the one we wanted you to narrow it down to, and I've got the the statistics up here, and this doesn't surprise me. Put my mind at ease from the stress of living, 57%, which is the overwhelming majority, we've got... uh, Someone who just feels free being on the pond, river, bayou, marsh, bay, or the gulf, that's 21%. And then uh, have fresh fish to eat comes in at third at 14 And then to compete in rodeos or tournaments is uh, only 7%. But the overwhelming majority, and, and I guess those two are kind of close together, you know, the freedom of being out on the water and also to put your mind at ease from the stress of living. It's an escape. And, you know, if, if this poll was taken even 15 to 20 years ago much less 100 years ago or 200 years ago i think the results would be very very different um you know fishing was subsistence it was a a way to provide food for you for yourself and your family and that's only at 14 percent right now is the single most important reason why people fish but the 57 percent represents to me Uh, A lot of stress living in today's world, and and there's a lot of reasons for that. It's a much faster world. It's a smaller planet for sure, and a lot of that has been brought about by technology, social media, Internet, Facebook, uh, instant texting and communications. Uh, There's a lot of good things that that has brought about, but I think one of the negatives is it's it's caused a lot of stress. People uh, are stressed out. You know, the jobs are wanting people to uh, produce more. Uh, you know, in, in a shorter amount of time, and all that leads to stress. And fishing, getting out there, you know, and of course you can take your phone with you. I don't take my phone out when I'm fishing. Um, you know, sometimes if I wanted to get a picture, I'll ask somebody to use their phone, but I don't even bring it with me. I, I, I turn it off, leave it in the truck, and don't bring it out. I don't want it out there when I'm fishing. Uh, it's good to have it, though, if, you, if you're by yourself, or sometimes you might have an emergency or someone needs to get in touch with you. Uh, but fishing, I just don't don't bring it with me. Now, hunting, different story. I'll, I'll usually have it there when I'm hunting. 
But uh, for some reason, I don't know, I just want to get away from that when I'm out there fishing. How about you? What is the most important reason? If you want to vote on that, go to my website, DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com, and you're going to see the different choices there. And pick one, and we'll add that into the mix. And speaking of these outdoor opinion polls, um, we did one of these recently, and I'm waiting to see um, how the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries proposes that we uh, solve a problem that that they have initially said exists, which is overfishing of speckled trout, that it has been overfished for years, and right now we're overfishing them, and man, we're not overfishing them right now because they are so hard to find uh, because of the river water inundating a lot of the normal places where people find them, but they said in their initial study that they may need to bring about some regulation changes, and none of this is Definite yet, they went back to get more data and then probably come back, hopefully, with some options instead of just an ultimatum and say, this is what we're going to do by law. We're going to change it without consulting the user group, the public, and finding out what their preferences would be. Uh, Because there's two things involved when it comes to managing fish or game. One is the biological aspect which things that you have to do in order to properly manage them to repopulate the species on a consistent, ongoing basis. And the other is the social interaction. You know, what do the people want? You know, how how do they feel about it? Whether you want more for a shorter period of time or less for a longer period of time, a lot of variables. And I think this is going to come about with the speckled trout I'm really anticipating they're going to make some recommendations on, on changes. And we gave our, our listeners and the visitors to the website several options. And far and away, when we asked about possible solutions to restore the population of speckled trout to a safe level, which is their spawning potential ratio, they have a number. And when it gets below that number, they consider it overfished. When it's at that number or higher, it's safe. And right now, initially, the, the, the data that they have shows it is below the SPR, which is a safe level. So in order to reach that, there could be several ways to, to, to make changes. And here's what the listeners, the fishermen, would like to see, according to our, our poll. Uh, to reduce the 25, which is the current limit per person per day, 25 speckled trout between, well, they have to be a minimum of 12 inches. Reduce that to 10 to 15 70%, the overwhelming majority said, if we need to do something to preserve the speckled trout population, restore it to safe levels, 70% would say, let's reduce it to between 10 and 15, somewhere in that area. Uh, 17% was the second highest choice. They would like to increase the size limit from 12 inches on up. Now, where that would be, 13, 14, 15, that would be up to the department, and as you go up in size, you reduce the take because that means the more fish you would have to leave in the water. Uh, The 12-inch was established because the speckled trout spawns at 12 inches, and so that would guarantee that it would spawn uh, at least one time before it was removed from the habitat. Uh, 4% said they would like to see a slot limit like we have on redfish where you could keep fish, say, between uh, 12 and and 16 or 12 and 20 and you know you can only keep so many over that that's not a whole lot four percent say slot limit uh only four percent thinks we ought to have open and closed seasons you know like we have on snapper just shut it down where you can it's only catch and release if you if you're fishing for speckled trout 
Uh, 4% say they don't want any changes. And that's even in light of a problem with the speckled trout population. They want to keep it at 25. And, you know, some people's theory on that is, look, if the fish aren't there, then I'm not in danger of overfishing them by keeping 25 if I can get them. I don't know. I don't agree with that myself. But limit the number of fishermen. In other words, put a moratorium on license sales. Nobody's for that. And to reduce it from the limit now, the daily limit, catch limit, from 25 to less than 10, nobody. But initially I have seen numbers that were thrown out that said in order to really make any uh, statistical impact to the number of speckled trout, you would actually have to reduce the catch to somewhere around single digits, six, maybe seven fish, or even less. Because if you're not catching 25 anyway and they're not there, if you go to 10 or 15 and you're not catching 15 or you're not catching 10 on an average, and the average speckled trout catch is about, it's around three or four. You know, not everybody is a professional guide that's in the water over 200 days a year and knows the patterns and, and knows where to go under what conditions. Uh, there's a lot of people that blank out or just catch a handful of trout. Uh, but nobody's for that. And I would, I'm going to predict that depending on where that SPR lands, the data that they get, that may be one of the recommendations that they go below 10 fish to single-digit fish. We've seen that in other states and could be the way Louisiana goes. Anyway, time will tell. We've been waiting. That was a couple of months ago when they came out with that. And, uh, you know, there's rumors that it won't be until the gubernatorial election is over before they make a recommendation. I don't know if, you know, if that's true or not. Anyway, uh, when we come back after this, I'm going to talk about a, a, a governor's uh, candidate forum that I'm involved with. We'll tell you all about that. Also, some more information about what the governors of the state of Louisiana and Mississippi are doing in order to uh, put up with and, and help out some of the people who are being severely impacted by all this Mississippi River water into the saltwater environment. We'll be back to do that. Also coming up, we got Jim Cox going to talk about the greatest sport fishing event on the Gulf Coast. It's not that far away coming up. We'll be back to talk about it after this on the outdoors with Don Dubuque and more outdoors program on WWL 105.3 FM HD2. All right, uh, just got an update, uh fishing report in from Jeff Brule. You know, Jeff was with us earlier this morning when he was right near the launch at Chef. He was headed out there to look for some bass in some of those marsh areas. Uh, he sent me a picture in a while ago of a, a, a nice, looked like about a three, three-and-a-half-pound bass. He <clears throat> caught on a white buzz bait, said the water was beautiful. He had gotten five or six bites, and he put several in the boat. Um, he says now he's catching them on frogs and floating worms on the edge of the grass. It is on fire. So you might want to make note of that if you're going to fish this afternoon, this evening, or maybe tomorrow. Put that on the area. on your. He launched at that, uh, well, they used to call that the yellow store, right there on Chef, uh, right before you get across the, the by the pass, and right across the street, basically, from, from, Eden, uh, from Venetian Isles. And there's a little boat launch, a little back-down launch there that puts you in that area. And you can go down through the intercoastal or you can get back up into those marsh areas off of the uh, intercoastal waterway. And uh, there's a lot of redfish in there, too. But uh, he's working over the bass, having a pretty good day at it. So we thank Jeff for keeping us up to date while we're on the air here. All right, um, a couple of uh, letters were fired off recently um, to the Secretary of Commerce 
from the state of Louisiana governor and also the state of Mississippi's governor uh, requesting uh, help and assistance for the fishermen and the marinas that are uh, suffering uh, for losses due to the, the high Mississippi River. Um, John Bell Edwards fired this one off uh, a little over a week ago, and I, I'm told that it, it took this long for him to do that because they needed to get some accurate stats in before they, they sent this information. Um, and a lot of it has to do with commercial fishing, but as commercial fishing in Louisiana goes, particularly in places like St. Bernard and Plaquemines Parish, so goes those parishes. I mean, that's a very large part of their income. And these are the justifications for asking for assistance from, from the federal government. He said, and this is to be expected, uh, the species that's that's taken the most beating is, is oysters. Well, oysters, obviously, uh, they grow on a reef. They can't move. Crabs, shrimp, finfish can swim away from bad water. Oysters have to sit there and take it. Well, they said that the mortality ranges, depending on where it is, after their samplings, uh, from 14 to 100 percent. Uh, some of the other ones in areas close to that, St. Bernard, said they've experiencing 50 to 100 percent mortality. Some areas, every oyster, gone, dead. Um, they said with the mortalities to these oysters, uh, the harvest has been reduced for the March-April time period as much as 88%. And in previous years, you know, 34% from the private leases. So that's a huge loss on oysters. Uh, shrimp is another species. Uh, they got the stats in. Uh, they said for the month of March was down 30%. 61% for April. Uh, the problem with that, low salinity pretty much stops the growth and recruitment of those brown shrimp. There's been very few brown shrimp in the bays, and that results in a poor commercial brown shrimp season. Crabs is another one. Uh, crab productivity has been impacted uh, 37% for March, 42% for April, and, of course, they'll be getting statistics in for May and June as those become available. Uh, the recreational fishing sectors has been impacted, and this is all contained in a letter, to, letter from Governor Edwards to the Secretary of Commerce. Uh, he said the speckled trout, redfish are being landed in much lower numbers. I don't know if that's true on the redfish. I, I can't say that's true. I don't know where that stat's coming from, but redfish have been off the chart. Part of that is because the absence of speckled trout, people are turning their attention and targeting redfish. But as was evidenced from my fishing trip this Thursday, and when Dudley, Deadly Dudley stated, he said, this is the year of the redfish. And all of our field reporters have kind of echoed that all year long. And, you know, not only are there a lot of redfish, a lot of small redfish. They, uh, Governor Edwards went on to say the statewide landings of speckled trout dropped 40% if you compare it to the five-year average. Um, and then again, you know, what makes this even harder to determine actual loss is what I just talked about was their statistics were showing a downward trend in speckled trout populations anyway. So is the result of that 40% lower landings is it because of the Mississippi River water? 
Is it because of overfishing or is it a combination of the two? Uh, the recreational landers, it says, have lands sent less as compared to the five-year average. So maybe that is because people aren't going out as much. If they, A lot of people figure if they can't catch specks, I'm not going. So redfish to them may have been a bycatch. So if you've got less fishermen on the water, even though the ones there are catching more redfish, does that mean that there's total less redfish caught because there's less fishermen? I don't know. Uh, the, how these numbers came about are not listed in the letter. Uh, but he does say that those low catches are heavy economic impacts to the businesses that support the recreational fishing industry, such as marinas and bait shops. And I think it's very important, and I would criticize, that he did not include charter captains. I mean, these guys I know are losing business because in years past, we had a lot of people that came to Louisiana strictly to fish speckle trout because we had such liberal limits, 25 per day. There's no other state in the country that had that kind of a limit. And now that you can't catch them and people are calling and wanting to book trips and the charter business are telling them, look, you know, I'd love for you to come, but I can't promise you you're going to catch any speckled trout, much less get that normal limit of 25, which you've been accustomed to. So the recreational fishing uh, charter boat industry is certainly uh, been hurt economically by this situation, but I don't know. He admitted that from the letter. At least he, he, he mentioned the marinas and the bait shops, but he certainly didn't say anything about the, the, the fishing guys. And I would suspect that the Charter Boat Association uh, would take up for their industry and maybe, you know, contact Governor Edwards and have him, you know, make an inclusion on that. At any rate, uh, they're looking for financial help in some way, shape, or form, and we're waiting to hear the answer to that from uh, Wilbur Ross, who is the Secretary of Commerce. Now, uh, prior to that, Mississippi, the state of Mississippi uh, governor, sent a similar letter uh, to the Secretary of Commerce, basically outlining the same thing, but for some reason they were able to get their numbers out earlier. Uh, they say that their oyster mortality rate is about 70%, and, of course, in, that to increase over time as the Bonacari remains open, and it's still open. Uh, they say it was a 35% loss with crabs and uh, oysters as with oysters. So, you know, they basically are, are doing the same thing. Now, the other thing that I didn't see them mention was anything about their recreational fishing industry either. And I don't know whether there's some reason why that, that can't be included, but it certainly was omitted from the letter from Governor Phil Bryant to the uh, Secretary of Commerce. So not sure about that. But that's the situation. Uh, it doesn't look good as far as commercial fishing. Uh, now, the, the good news is that history has shown that the years, rebound years after openings of the spillway and river water diverted into Pontchartrain and Lake Bourne and Lake Catherine, eventually into the Mississippi Sound, uh, that the fishing and crabbing and everything else has improved because of the amount of nutrients that it deposits. Now, I've been getting some uh, messages in this morning about warnings, health warnings, about eating fish and seafood from Lake Pontchartrain because of algal blooms. Now, 
I'm not going to put that out without any verification. I have not seen that you know, from an official state agency who has done the testing. Uh, algal blooms, they come in various types. And one type, the most common type, is one that depletes oxygen from the water. So if an organism dies because of lack of oxygen, basically it suffocates, and and you hear about the red tide. In fact, there's one going on in Florida right now, and it's prompted Florida to go to strictly catch and release on their speckled trout because of that. Um, If a fish dies, as long as it's still fresh and it's not spoiled, there's no harm, there's no toxins in that fish. Now, there are some blooms that are toxic. Um, but it's a different type. And if that's the case, then they probably would issue a health advisory against consuming fish or seafood, whether it be crabs or shrimp, that were killed as a result of a toxic algal bloom. But, again, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen anything from a reliable, responsible agency. So far, it's just been people putting that out. So it's kind of like rumors. So, I don't know. We'll keep an eye out for that. And if you have heard about any of that and you can send me the quote of where you saw it, I'd love to hear from you. You can text me at 870-870 or you're welcome to call 504-260-6368. It's possible that there have been some advisories put out. I have yet to see any that I would say are definitive or reliable with regard to abstaining from any seafood out of those bodies of water because of uh, algal blooms. Anyway, I have also seen it in a case where I fished in an algal bloom, and it was deep water, and the dead water, the dead zone where there was no oxygen, you could clearly see the algae in it, um, there was nothing there. But underneath it was heavier, salty, oxygenated water. We were catching fish, pulling them basically through the bloom, through the dead zone, and pulling them up. So... And, of course, all that changes. Water can move around. It does move around. And if you look at the pattern, the hydrology charts of Lake Pontchartrain, you can clearly see that that river water has expanded and very rapidly in the past few days. I guess that's due to a lot of that west wind uh, pushing that water, that southwest wind pushing it from the Bonacari towards the north shore. The north shore was kind of spared of the fresh water. There were some little pockets of salty water along the north shore, particularly the northeast shore of Lake Pontre. And I think that's why we saw a lot of those redfish in there, too. Uh, but I, I sampled the water there Thursday. I mean, just gave it the old taste test, and absolutely no salt could be detected in that water right there near the, uh, the, the, the fishing pier that stretches across I-10 on the north shore and any of that area. A lot of mullets in that area, tons of redfish. I can't imagine as many redfish we were catching probably six or seven redfish to keep one. Most of them were small fish, but we ended up with about, I think we had about 13 keeper redfish and probably caught, I don't know, 70 or 80 or more to to keep those. And they were stacked up in there, and it was little small areas where they were. And I got to believe it was because the water was holding the bait and the water was oxygenated, and it was as good a water as you could find. Now, uh, Kenny Krieger made a run to the bridge to catch sheephead. He caught a few, but, boy, it was so rough out there with that southwest wind, it made it a problem. But it seems like the redfish, sheephead, and black drum, not a problem with the fresh water. 
Uh, in fact, it looks like there's more of them than they've had in recent years. But speckled trout, mm, tough to catch up to a speck in that area. Grand Isle having much better success. Anyway, when we come back after the CBS Sports Update, we're going to be joined by Jim Cox and talk about what they're calling the greatest sport fishing event on the Gulf Coast. It's coming to Orange Beach, Alabama, and if you'd like to be part of it, we'll tell you how to do that. All coming up right after the CBS Sports Update. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.